Welcome to the History of Christianity podcast with Stephen Bedard. Please visit me at historyofchristianitypodcast.com. For as long as Christianity and the Roman Empire have both existed, they've always had a close relationship. Jesus was born during the reign of the first emperor and was crucified by Roman authority. This interconnection continued strongly into the 3rd century. It's important to take a look at what was happening within the empire to understand what was happening within the church during the 3rd century. Going back to the end of the 2nd century, we start with the beginning of the Severan dynasty. This dynasty was named after the first emperor of this era, Septimius Severus. Lucius Septimius Severus was born in present-day Libya in 145 and died in 211. Severus had been appointed governor of Panoia Superior by the Emperor Commodus in 191. After Commodus was assassinated, Pertinax was proclaimed emperor, but he was soon assassinated. It was then that Severus's legions proclaimed him to be emperor. This was in 193. The problem was that Didius Julianus had succeeded Pertinax by purchasing the emperorship at an auction. He was soon executed by the Senate, but... Pascinius Niger was proclaimed emperor by the legions of Syria. Severus defeated Niger in 194. During this time, Severus had granted Clodius Albinus, governor of Britannia, the title of Caesar, in order to keep him as an ally. But later, Severus made his son both heir and Caesar, and war broke out between Severus and Albinus. Albinus declared himself to be emperor, but he too was defeated by Severus. Having secured his power internally, Severus turned to other matters. Severus initiated a campaign against the Parthian Empire with some limited success and was declared Parthicus Maximus. Severus was married to Julia Domina, an important figure for much of what would happen in the 3rd century. The church historian Eusebius referred to Severus as a persecutor, but the evidence suggests that Severus didn't target Christians, but rather there happened to be a number of local persecutions during his reign. In the early years of the 3rd century, Severus initiated campaigns in Africa and Britain. It was while in Britain that Severus became sick and died in 211 in modern-day York. As already mentioned, there's something called the Severan dynasty. Unlike the good emperors of the previous century that did well by adopting, or seeming to adopt, talented heirs outside the family, there was an actual family dynasty. Marcus Aurelius Antonius, known as Caracalla, was born in 188 and died in 217. Caracalla was given the rank of Caesar, which at this time basically meant the official heir in 197, before he was even 10 years old. The next year, he was declared to be co-Augustus and joint emperor with his father, while still not yet a teenager. When Severus died in 211, Caracalla and his brother Geta were declared to be co-emperors. Unfortunately, the two brothers did not get along, and there was even discussion of dividing the empire. Their mother, Julia Domina, attempted to reconcile them, but that did not work out. In 211, Geta was assassinated by the Praetorian Guard and died in his mother's arms, most likely under Caracalla's orders. One of the things that Caracalla was known for, other than killing his brother, is the promotion of Serapis worship. 
Serapis was a relatively new god, being the combining of the Egyptian gods Osiris and Apis, with some Greek mythology thrown in for good measure. Although Egyptian in origin, he was very popular among the Greeks of the Roman Empire. Like his father, he pursued military campaigns against Parthia. Caracalla was murdered in 217 by a Roman soldier who was being used by someone looking to take over the throne. This Macrinus was not able to hold on to power. Caracalla was succeeded by Elagabalus, who was born around 204 in Syria and died in 222. His birth name was Sextus Varius Avidus Bassinus, and he was the son of a cousin of Caracalla. The name he is known by comes from the Syrian god Elagabal, of which he was a high priest. He became the emperor while still a teenager, which did not help his troubled reign. He was not satisfied with just having a private devotion to Elagabal, but promoted it to the Romans. He went so far as to place Elagabal as the head of the Roman pantheon, even over Jupiter, and had a temple built on the Palatine Hill. If that was not enough to arouse religious conflict, Elagabalus even married a Vestal Virgin, which was strictly forbidden. Support for this emperor was quickly waning. Somehow, he was convinced to name his cousin Severus Alexander as Caesar. Unfortunately for him, the people, including the Praetorian Guard, much preferred Alexander to Elagabalus. After some scheming against Alexander, the Praetorian Guard had enough and assassinated Elagabalus. The Roman historian Dio describes what happens, and these are the the words of Dio. He made an attempt to flee and would have got away somewhere by being placed in a chest had he not been discovered and slain at the age of 18. His mother, who embraced him and clung tightly to him, perished with him. Their heads were cut off and their bodies, after being stripped naked, were first dragged all over the city, and then the mother's body was cast aside somewhere or other, while his was thrown into the Tiber. This brings us to Marcus Aurelius Severus Alexander, the last of the Severan dynasty, who lived from 208 to 235. Alexander became emperor at the age of 14, making him the youngest so far of the emperors and the second youngest in the history of Rome. Alexander was fairly open-minded when it came to religion. He allowed a synagogue to be built in Rome and even provided a Torah scroll Alexander's mother had a reputation in the church as being very pious. The church historian Eusebius records this. After this, Alexander became Roman emperor, Antonius having reigned but four years. At this time, Philetus also succeeded Ascipolides in the church of Antioch. The mother of the emperor, Mamia by name, was a most pious woman, if there ever was one, and of religious life. When the fame of Origen had extended everywhere and had come even to her ears, she desired greatly to see the man, and above all things, to make trial of a celebrated understanding of divine things. Alexander had a very active military experience facing both the Persians and the Germans. It was his attempt to buy off the Germans which caused the army to doubt his ability and eventually led to his assassination. Thus ended the Severan dynasty. The podcast will resume after this break. 
I was recently introduced to Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And it contains less than one gram of sugar. No GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This brings us to what is called the crisis of the third century. You'll soon see why. The Severan dynasty, for all its faults, provided some consistency and the reigns were of reasonable length. In the next 50 years, there would be 27 emperors. 27 emperors! Many of these would be emperor for less than a year, some for just a month or two, or even less. There were numerous reasons for this. One was the age-old problem of succession. But there were other factors as well. This included the plague of Cyprian. This is of interest to us regarding church history as it was named after Cyprian of Carthage, who recorded his observations of the plague. This pandemic ravaged the Roman Empire from 249 to 262. The death toll was huge, and it would have been bad enough even if Rome had strong leadership. In addition to the plague, the empire was under frequent attack by barbarians. All of this brought about the perfect storm that we call the crisis of the 3rd century. I'm not going to go through all the emperors of this time, but we'll mention a couple of things as it impacted the church. This was specifically persecution of the church. Up to this point, there had not been an empire-wide persecution of the church. Persecution took place, but it was mostly local events. That changed during this time. The emperor responsible was Gaius Messius Quintus Trianus Decius, who lived 201 to 251 and was emperor 249 to 251. In 250, Decius issued an edict requiring everyone to offer a certain sacrifice, which in return they would receive a certificate acknowledging that they had complied. While it was not designed to target Christians, it was Christians who were unable, according to their beliefs, to comply. Well, in theory at least, there were many Christians who did save their lives by sacrificing, but many others, including some prominent leaders, lost their lives as a result. The persecution ended with the death of Decius. I would love to say that was the end of their problems, but it was not. Emperor Publius Licinius Valerianus, more commonly known as Valerian, lived 199 
to 260 and reigned 253 to 260. In 257, Valerian ordered Christian clergy to offer sacrifices to the Roman gods. He then ordered Christian bishops to be executed and then targeted Christians in important positions within the Roman government. It was during this persecution that Cyprian of Carthage was executed. The crisis of the 3rd century ended, at least for non-Christians, with Gaius Aurelius Valerius Diocletianus. Diocletian lived 242-311 to and reigned 284-305. to Notice that his reign ended before he died. That was very unusual. It was during Diocletian's reign that what is known as the Great Persecution took place. I'm not going to go into that here, as that really gets us into the beginning of the 4th century. But what we can say about this century is that Diocletian tried to bring some stability to the empire. He recognized the problem of succession and of parts of the empire attempting to break off and to do their own thing. So he did something radical. In 285, he made a man named Maximian Caesar, and in 286, he became Augustus. While the original idea was for Maximian to be Diocletian's lieutenant, it became a situation where there were two emperors, one in the west and one in the east. This evolved into a tetrarchy in 293, once again with an eye towards solving the succession issues. The empire was divided into four segments, thus, thus the tetrarchy. Diocletian and Maximian were the Augusti and the senior co-emperors. Galerius served as Caesar under Diocletian, and Constatius Chlorus became Caesar under Maximian. Spoiler alert, Constantius is the father of the one who will soon be known as Constantine the Great. The idea is that there would be two Augusti, and when their reigns were done, the Caesars would take over as Augusti, and then they would appoint two new Caesars. It would not work out so nicely, but it was an impressive idea. We'll not take this story too far into the 4th century, but we'll say that Diocletian and Maximian did retire in 305 and were succeeded by their Caesars. Diocletian died a few years later. What we see in the Roman Empire of the 3rd century is an increasing fragility based on weak and unpopular leaders. We also see the strains of internal division and external threats. We see some intense persecutions of the church, but also Christians serving in important positions in the empire. Much of what we have seen here will lead us into the 4th century, but we're not quite ready for that yet. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please visit me at historyofchristianitypodcast.com and track me down on Facebook and Twitter. You can support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash hopesreason. That's patreon.com slash hopesreason. Even $1 a month, less than a cup of coffee, can make a difference. Thank you for your ongoing support. God bless. The Second World War Podcast with Stephen Bedard. World War II changed our world dramatically. Our maps and technology were all transformed in ways that still affect us. This podcast starts with the origins and moves on to the worldwide conflict between the Axis and the Allies. Learn the background 
and understand how Europe, Africa, and Asia were torn apart by the greed for more power and resources. Hear the stories of Montgomery and Churchill, Eisenhower and Patton, Goering and Rommel. We will go through the entire conflict, focusing on the big picture rather than the details. If you've ever wanted to know more about the Second World War, this is your chance. Listen to the podcast at anchor.fm slash secondworldwar or on your favorite podcatcher. And find more resources, including blog posts, at stephenjbedard.com slash secondworldwar.